Good morning, everybody. Hey, I'm really glad you're here today. And we've been talking about prayer, and as I've been talking about it, I have just wondered if you would be honest, you don't have to raise your hand, but in your mind, just be honest. I wonder if we don't pray more than we do, because we're not really sure that prayer actually does anything. In other words, do we maybe sometimes just go, don't even think about praying, because we're not really sure that it works, that there's... You know, you can do it, but are there other things that you could do that would be more effective? And you're, you're maybe not even surprised if there's something that happens when you pray about it. i give you a perfect example of this. There was a guy who was a Christian. One of the ways that he liked to serve was he had a heart of compassion, especially for sick people. So he would go to the hospital and just pray for people, go up and down the halls, knock on the door. And if the person in the room was open to it, he'd come in, chat for a while, pray with them. One day he went to a room of a guy who said, I'd like prayer. And he was so sick he could barely talk. And so this guy talked with him for a while, and the guy was really bad in the bed. And so the Christian man prayed with him. And as he's praying, he's saying, Lord, just heal this man. Heal him so that he can go home. And as he's praying, the man sat up in his bed and was like, I feel better. Praise God, your prayer's been answered. Right in the middle of the prayer. And it was a shock, and he was better. He actually got to go home from the hospital that day. Meanwhile, the Christian guy was in a state of shock. He walked out to his car in the parking garage outside the hospital and leaned up against it and he said, Lord, please don't ever do that to me again. (laughs) He was shocked. But then my question would be, why would we be shocked that we ask the God of the universe to do something and then be surprised when he actually does it? I find it so sad that people who believe in God and talk to God don't actually expect anything from God. There's something wrong with that, right? So what is that that's going on that says, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to put God on the hook. So I'm just going to go ahead and give him an out. Or I might not even talk to him at all. It doesn't even occur to me to ask God for like real things. Like God's got bigger issues to deal with than the things that I'm worried about. So I'm not even going to bother him with it. What's wrong with that? Well, that's not really what the Bible teaches us about prayer. But let me ask you a question. And I do want you to think about this. Again, you don't have to raise your hand, but when was the last time you prayed to God for something specific and you expected him to answer you? We want to look at this because I'm afraid that people who follow Jesus have not clued in to one of the most vital things that you and I have to do if we're going to grow a stronger relationship with God. If we are going to mature and grow up like Jesus wants us to do as we're his students, You can't do that without a vital prayer life. And if you don't believe that prayer actually does anything, you're not going to pray. And do you see where the problem will enter into your life if you're not praying? You're not going to grow up. You're you're, you're missing out on all the things that God has in mind for you. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to continue looking at what Jesus teaches on prayer today. So if you've got a a Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7. If you've got a smartphone app and you've got the Bible app up there, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew 7 and that. And if all else fails and you're like, I can't find it or I don't have a Bible, then you can uh, go ahead and just follow along on the screen. If you'd like a Bible, I don't always say this, but there's some Bibles out there on that table as you come into this theater. You are welcome to take it. I'd much rather you have a Bible than not. So that's our gift to you. So let's go ahead and read this. this is, I'm going to actually read out the New Living Translation. You can follow along on the screen. Jesus said this. He was in the middle of a big teaching and he said, Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. 
Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. He's talking about prayer here. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Then he goes on and he gives this analogy. He says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? No, or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, I'm going to pause there because I love this teaching. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. This is Jesus. This is, you want to know what God thinks about prayer and how he responds to prayer? You've got it right here. God in the flesh is telling you how he listens to your very specific prayers when you pray them. This is so motivational. It should be to you and to me. This is, this is God's heart. He cares about you like a good dad cares about their kids. And he's listening when you pray and when I pray. There are so many good reasons to pray to God and expect an answer. A positive answer. Let me just give you a couple of them today. First thing that I really find encouraging is you can expect an answer from God because of the power of asking. The power of asking. It's one of the most powerful things. Like, go back to what Jesus said. First part of the verses here. In verse 7, he said, you keep on asking. Uh, You keep on knocking. You keep on looking. And what did he say you can expect when you do those three things in prayer? When you ask, you will receive. When you seek, you will find. And when you knock, what's going to happen? The door will be open because there's great power in asking. Like Jesus told a story another time. He's like, all right, so imagine you're in bed and the kids are in bed. It's like two in the morning and your neighbor starts knocking on your door. You're like, somebody's knocking at the door, but I'm not going to get up because it's two in the morning. You won't get up even if it's your good friend, but you will get up if they keep knocking, right? Because just to get them to quit knocking. And Jesus says like, you should keep praying because God is so much better than you. You know, he's listening to you. And there's great power when you ask. But the thing is, I think, like I said earlier, I think we don't want to put God on the hook. You're like, I understand God's got lots of things to do, or he may have a different thing in mind, so I don't want to pray too specifically, because then God's going to have to say no, so who wants that? So I'll just pray these vague prayers. So, not putting anybody on the spot, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I believe that a lot of us Christians have gotten into the habit of praying vague prayers that sound spiritual, but don't really say anything at all. You would never talk in other areas of your life the way that you talk in prayer. Can you imagine parents, like you're, you're, you're going out for a date, and you're leaving your kids with a babysitter. I hope that's not hard for you to imagine, by the way, if you're parents, that you get out on a date occasionally. You should. But you got the babysitter there. Imagine if you talk to the babysitter like you talk to God in prayer. Like, you know, like in prayer, sometimes you say, like, oh, Lord, be with Cousin Jimmy in a special way. What does that mean? So, oh, Madison, be with our children in a special way. What? No, you're going to be really specific, right? Like, okay, Madison, can you give the kids a bath? And here, the kids can watch movies. Here's what they can watch on Netflix. They're going to tell you they can watch these, but they can't watch those because they will not sleep at night. And would you feed them dinner? But they cannot have Mountain Dew. They're going to tell you they can have Mountain Dew at night, but they can't because, again, they won't sleep. And back to all of that. So, And if you have problems, here's our cell phone number. Give us a call. You're very specific when you talk to people. That's the way that God wants us to talk to him. He's a good father. And like any good father, God will give us things whether we ask for them or not sometimes because that's, he just does it. And many times we are oblivious to the fact that God has given us good things that we didn't even ask for. But should that be the general rule? Isn't there some power in asking somebody for something first before you get it? Let's look at the other side of that. Have you ever been given something that you did not ask for? Oh, great. Thank you, Grandma. Just what I wanted. Uh, 
you know, plastic framed prints from Reader's Digest. I know exactly where I'm going to put these. Dallas Willard points out, giving is not the same thing as imposing. And there are some times that God wants to give us things as our Heavenly Father, but he's waiting for you and me to ask. He doesn't want to, he's a gentleman. He doesn't want to impose himself in our lives. So yes, there are some good things he brings you. There's many other things he wants to bring you, but he's waiting for you to ask so that you recognize it was from him and you can say thank you and you can have that relationship of asking. It's the way God designed the universe. So I'm just telling you right now, you need to get more specific in your prayers if you're not. I was thinking about this back when my daughters, uh, Abby and Alyssa, were much younger. We used to pray with them to help kind of get them to see how to pray. And I, I'd kind of forgotten this, but I went back and looked at some things I had written down when they were really little and the things they prayed about. My girls prayed some really specific prayers. We had, I, I don't even know if Abby will remember this, Alyssa might remember it. We had a turtle get lost in our yard. Not a box turtle. I'm talking turtle. Like the kind you see sunning themselves on a log in the river. So it was stuck in our, like under our fence gate. So that night, we prayed for the lost turtle to find his way back to the creek because that's appropriate to pray. It's a very specific, very heartfelt prayer from, uh, you know, little girls. My girls prayed for it to snow, and I'm sorry because <laughs> I know some of you don't like that. My girls often got answers to their prayers when they prayed for snow. So I'm like, pray some more because I like the snow too. My girls prayed for sick people on the prayer list here at our church. Um, considering how good my girls were at getting their prayers answered, I was, I was kind of scared sometimes that they would pray for a little brother or sister. You know, don't do that. Because <laughs> God listens to them. That's the, the thing I think we miss out on when we don't pray specific prayers is to have that, that relationship with God where you really get the sense that he actually cares about the details of your life, not just the big spiritual things. So my encouragement to you is employ the power of asking. If you're not asking God what you need in prayer, Jesus says you should. In fact, going back to something Dallas Willard wrote in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. And by the way, I refer to Dallas Willard a couple of times here. He was a professor of philosophy at USC, um, Berkeley, in California before he passed away. Just incredible Christian man. He says one of the most powerful forces in the universe is asking. That's how God created the universe. And you know there's a powerful pull when you, within you when somebody asks you for something. So much so, do you not go out of your way to avoid somebody that you know is going to ask you for something that you don't want to give them? It's the neighbor, you know they're going to ask to borrow the, the leaf blower again and they never return it. So you go out of your way to avoid. You don't make eye contact with the person who's panhandling because you don't have any money or you don't want to give to them. But, but you don't want to feel the ask because you know it creates something within you when somebody asks you for something, Right? Who enjoys eating a sandwich in front of the family dog? I'm telling you, that's why I've never been able to eat a, an entire thing of anything since we got Rosie, our chocolate lab. And she just, she's got the eyes and the drool and the paw and the leg. It's, it's done. Because there's power in asking something. That's what God wants us to do. And I think what Jesus is trying to say to us is, you know that exists in your relationships. You need to recognize that God feels the same pull when you ask him for something. It's how he made the world. And he wants you to know that you don't have to get things by force or manipulation. You just ask. And you ask your Heavenly Father. And that's what the, the power of asking is. And Jesus said, seek and you'll find. <clears throat> it's not the only reason that you should be praying some pretty specific prayers and expecting an answer. There's another thing. It's not just the power of asking. It's the power of who you are asking. 
I put it this way. I'll give you an analogy. When I was growing up, my church uh, played in a volleyball league. And all, like my parents and the, all the other grown-ups in the church, we would go to the city hall in our town, and there was a big gymnasium. And <clears throat> this volleyball league, different teams would play. We kids weren't allowed to play. We weren't old enough. But that was great because this city hall was old and ancient, had lots of hallways. So we would just run the hallways exploring all the different floors. I found the most amazing thing on one of my early explorations, an ancient soda machine filled with Pepsi products. Some of you know where I'm going with this. Who makes Mountain Dew but Pepsi? And there were 16-ounce glass bottles of ice-cold Mountain Dew in this soda machine that I found in the basement of City Hall, which was awesome, except I was a kid. So the one thing you're lacking when you're a kid oftentimes is money. I had no quarters. needed two quarters to get the soda. No problem. I'll employ the power of asking. But here's the thing. You've got to know who to ask, right? I'm not going to ask my sister or my brother. They don't have any money either. I'm not going to ask the other kids. They don't have any money. You've got to go ask the grown-ups. But even then, you've got to ask the right grown-ups, right? You don't want to go to your parents because they ask too many questions of their own, like, why do you want the quarters? And how many times have I told you you can't have Mountain Dew at night? Who needs that? You go to your favorite Sunday school teacher. You go to your, your favorite aunt. You go to the young adults who are dating, and you go to the guy, because he doesn't want to look stingy in front of his girlfriend, so you ask him for quarters, and you employ the power of asking. It's not just asking, it's who you're asking, and that's what Jesus is saying is, you can expect an answer to your prayers because of what God is like. He's the one you're talking to. Like, I love this thing that Jesus said, and you have to picture him with a smile on his face when he said this. He's looking at the audience and says, you parents, you know you're messed up, right? You are evil people. And remember, he's grinning. They're like, yeah, we're pretty bad. But even you know how to take care of your parents. I mean, take care of your kids, right? You know how to give them food when they ask for it and not a snake or a rock or an eel. He says, go from lesser to greater. You evil parents know how to take care of your kids. How much more will a good and perfect God take care of you when you ask him? So there's great confidence in prayer because you're praying to a really good God. And it's one of the things I want to point out, that God is good. When you're talking to him, you have to remember this. Jesus said he's good. There's another place in the Bible. One of Jesus' closest students was a guy named John. And very late in John's life, there's probably lots of Christians in the world at this point. John wrote a letter to some Christians. It's called 1 John in your Bible, 1 John. And in 1 John 1, 5, John said, This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light, and there's no darkness in him at all, not a trace of it. That's what God is like. He's He's good. And you've got to keep this in mind because, just be honest, as I talk to a lot of people, I get the idea that a lot of people don't think that God is completely good. There are a lot of people who are willing to believe a lot of bad things about God. And I just ask the question, and I'm sure you can kind of follow this logic, if you don't believe God is good, are you going to be inclined to talk to him? And so as, as you're praying, that's probably one of the things that you and I have to overcome is this, these thoughts that spring into our mind that... that would make us believe bad things about God. Romans 12, 2 in the Bible says that God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. So anytime you think about God, you need to realize that he is good, that he only likes things that are good and pleasing and perfect, and that's what he wants for us. So people say the goofiest things, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to insult you if you've ever said, that, said this, but people will say, things. well, maybe it was God's will that that plane crashed. No, you know... God doesn't like bad things. God doesn't like the plane to go down and the entire Brazilian soccer team to be killed. I mean, somebody crashes planes, but that's not God. Don't put that on him. 
God doesn't make the forest fire that burns the Great Smoky Mountains and Gatlinburg and kills people and burns down people's homes and churches. That's not God. Don't believe things that spring into your mind about God that reflect darkness, not light. So that's part of faith in God is to believe that when the Bible says that he is absolutely good, that he really is. And there's things that will spring into your mind like, well, if God's so good, why did he allow this? And why such a... That's not God. You have to believe he's good if you're going to talk to him. There's another verse in the Bible. This is in the Old Testament. This is one of God's prophets who would speak to the people of Israel. It's a really dark time in Israel. And Nahum was his prophet at this time. And Nahum, in the midst of a horrendous situation, he he said this, Nahum 1.7, God is good. He's a hiding place in tough times. He recognizes and welcomes anyone looking for help, no matter how desperate the trouble Keep that in mind. Jesus said God is good. And that's something else I would encourage you to think about about God is that he is able. There's nothing that keeps God awake at night worrying. You're not going to pray something to God. You're not going to be the first person to pray something to which God goes, wow, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to get back with you on that. Let me do a little research first. Never going to happen. God has perfect wisdom. God has complete power. In fact, in the Bible, in Colossians 1, it talks about Jesus. There's this really beautiful description of what Jesus is. And one of the things it says about him is that not only did he create the entire universe that was created through him and by him and for him, it even says that he holds the entire universe together by his power. Imagine that power as you think about quantum physics. That he's behind everything that we see and everything we experience, everything we don't even see. And that same God is the God that we're praying to, the God who can do anything. So you think about that next time you're praying about your finances or your relationship or a business problem or any other problem that you're facing. You're talking to the God who has a solution for everything. So you ought to be talking to him and seeking him out. He's able. (coughs) Excuse me. So here's just my personal experience. As I've talked to God and I've come to him and I've realized I'm talking to the God who's capable of anything good. It seems like the problems that I've got that I've tried to engineer a solution for and try to figure out on my own, if I just bring them to God, it's funny how they melt and just become reconfigured into something that, like, okay, he's got that. And I I have to learn this lesson over and over and over. Every time I learn it again, I think, I will never forget this until, (laughs) until I do. Like this week, I had three things on my to-do list that I had no idea what I've been struggling with for a while. And then I finally got to the point where I, like, I don't know what else to do. I guess I should pray about this. No joke. Within 30 minutes, all three of them were solved after I prayed. And it's again like, Brian, you big dummy, why don't you just start with prayer? <laughs> right? And that's my encouragement to you. Remember who you're talking to. Hebrews 4.16 in the Bible says this. Let's approach the throne of grace of God with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The bottom line is we can trust God to help us. That's the kind of God he is. He's a God of grace, not a grace, a God of scolding, not a God of, you know, who, who told you you could pray to me? He's not like that. You can trust him. You know, and so many times I, I forget to just ask God. And so many times, even when I do pray, I don't pray with that sense of expectation that God's actually going to do something about it. Now, having said that, I think that you're... I see some of you nodding your head. I think some of you are with me on this. 
even in the Bible, the earliest Christians, they goofed up on this too. It makes me feel better about myself. I'm not the only guy who has to learn and relearn this lesson. I mean, one of my favorite true stories in the Bible is in Acts chapter 12. You can turn there if you want. You might want to read this later, though. This is a true historical account of something that happened early in the history of the church. So in Acts chapter 12, in, in Jerusalem, the ruler of that region was a guy named King Herod. Now, there's been several King Herods. That was kind of a title more than a name. So there's like a, it's a different Herod than the one that tried to kill baby Jesus. But the Roman Empire put Herod in charge. Herod had one of the apostles named James arrested and executed. He saw his popularity polls go up with the Jewish leaders. So he's like, oh, this is great. I know what I'll do. I'll, take, I'll arrest Peter, one of the other apostles, put him in prison and execute him. So Peter is in prison awaiting trial the next day, probably facing execution. And he's asleep in prison and the entire church is gathered in homes praying for him. In one home in particular, there's like the apostles and other people gathered and praying. They're praying that the Lord would deliver Peter somehow. Meanwhile, it's at night. It's like three in the morning. Peter's asleep in his jail cell. An angel of the Lord goes into his cell and knocks him in the ribs and wakes him up. Peter wakes up and sits up. There's an angel in his cell. He thinks he's dreaming. And the angel says, Peter, put your clothes on. Again, he's dreaming. I'm dreaming this. He puts his clothes on. The chains fall off. The door to the cell opens. The angel says, come on. He's like impatient with Peter. Come on, let's go. Peter's walking through the jail thinking, I'm dreaming. This is a vision. They get all the way to this massive iron gate that opens out into the street, and it opens all by itself. And Peter's now standing in the street, three in the morning outside the prison, and the angel's like, go. And that moment, Peter realized, I'm not dreaming. And you read this in Acts chapter 12 and verse 11. It says, Peter finally came to his senses and he said, it's really true. The Lord sent his angel and saved me from Herod and what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. And he knocked at the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. Remember, it's three in the morning. They're praying. You're out of your mind. She insisted. They decided, well, it must be his angel. They must have already killed him. And now his angel's here. Meanwhile, Peter's still standing there knocking. They finally opened the door and they saw him and they were amazed. He's like, be quiet. They're looking for me. <laughs> and he told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. I love this. What are they praying for at three in the morning? Peter to be delivered by the Lord. Peter's delivered by the Lord, and they're not expecting God to actually do what they're gathered there to do, to pray. It makes me feel better about myself. But this is God we're talking about, who is good and powerful and who can take people out of prison if he wants to, because nothing's too difficult for him. I love this. It, like in Matthew 18, Jesus said, I mean this, when two or three of you gather on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I will be there. And the church was together, and Jesus was there, and Peter was delivered. How many times do you pray with that sense of expectancy? And I think God's ready to answer you. Maybe more ready than you are ready to ask him. You heard of Max Lucado, right? Pastor, he, author, he wrote this. He said, our prayers might be awkward, our attempts might be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears our prayers and not in the one who prays it, our prayers do make a difference. So here's my entire bottom line for you. I want you to walk out of here today confident that God listens to you when you pray and expecting an answer when you do pray. So I'm out of time, so I want to give you something practical to do with this, to apply this. You see at the bottom of your worship folder, and there's some dots there? 
I want you to pray specifically about three things for three days. Okay, that's what those dots are for. I want you to write three very specific things down that you, for the next three days, will pray about. Now, let's be real. If you write down world peace, a million dollars, and all your dreams to come true, maybe God's on the same page with you, but some things take longer than others. Like if you ask your mom for a turkey dinner, she's not going to be ready in five minutes. So let's, let's dial it down as a little bit from that. But then again, the Cubs did win the World Series this year, so maybe you should be praying big. I don't know. God, I need this much money to get through December. God, I am so lonely right now. I could just use a friend. God, I've been sick with this sinus thing for months now. I, can you heal this? I have a problem with somebody at work, and I can't seem to figure it out. God, can you help me with that? Specific prayers. Don't be afraid to put God on the hook. Now, does God always say yes? Loving parents sometimes say no or not. That's next week's message. You ought to come back and hear it. But you should be asking. In fact, let's go ahead and pray to God right now. Father, I love it that you tell us we can call you Father. And you really mean that. You mean in every sense of the the word that when we look at what a really good dad here on earth is like, that you're that and more. And that's the kind of relationship you want with us where we can just talk to you where we can talk about things that are important to us and we don't have to just over-spiritualize it or just think about what we should be talking about, but we can say to you exactly what's in our heart, ask you for exactly what we need, and expect an answer and a response. And so I pray, Father, you give us that kind of conviction that we could pray like that. That that would be like the thing that strengthens our faith in you to realize that you do say yes to us and that we should have so much gratitude for what you've already done for us. And I want to pray for people here this morning, Father, and I know they're here every week, people who just are hurting And they need you desperately. And I I ask that you would help them to be humble enough to just reach out to you. And I also realize that the way you've offered salvation to us is for us to ask you for it, to ask you to forgive our sins, to ask you to lead our lives. So I pray for people here today, Father, who are not believers in Jesus, that you would give them the courage to take that step today to do that. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.